Renee, do you have a favorite knife? I have a confession to make. Oh my God, more confessions. You don't have knives. I have one knife. <laughs> no, you're like my mother. No, I'm not like your mother with all due respect to Mama Lee. <laughs> I have a very spare kitchen aesthetic and I've been searching and searching for the right knife mm-hmm. for a long time. And so I'll buy one of a particular brand um, my current one is Schmidt Brothers, and okay. I just kind of see how it works for me, right? Because it's not just how sharp it is, it's how it feels in your hand. Absolutely. Very it's important. how it looks on the rack. The balance, you know. everything. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So you do everything, chopping, slicing, onions, garlic, cutting up turkey, cutting up chicken with that one knife. With that one knife. Wow. See, I have probably about... I don't know, 30 knives. Uh, probably 30. About, yeah, probably about 25 of them I don't use, truly. But I, we just keep on buying knives or people gift knives to me. And mm-hmm. um, But my favorite, though, I have to say mm-hmm. my favorite is a knife that's older than me. Mm. I think it's like 61 years old. And it was mm. given to me by friends of my mom and dad. He was a chef at this restaurant in Fall River, Massachusetts, a diner really called Night Owl. And it's an old carbon steel chef's knife. It's very long. It's very stained. It's so marvelous. The thing is, I don't want to use it very often because it's just so beautifully patinaed. And it has Mm -hmm. such special meaning to my mom and my dad. But that's, I think, my most treasured knife at the moment. I can understand that. I mean, I've actually spent hours looking on Etsy for knives, Mm -hmm. right? Knives with that character. Mm -hmm. But I can't ever bring myself to purchase it because the story behind the knife is not mine. Yes, exactly. And I'm co-opting this gentleman's story, but the fact that he handed it down to me when he was done. That's fair. It is. That's very special. Hi, I'm David Leet, founder of the website Leet's Culinaria. And I'm Renee Shetler, the site's editor-in-chief. And this is Talking With My Mouthful. And today, Renee and I have a guest on the show that we're so, so proud to have on. His name is Quinton Middleton, and he is an exquisite knife maker outside of Charleston, South Carolina. And his company is called Middleton Made Knives, and they are something to behold. They're beautiful. They're well-balanced, they have an incredible blade design, and they were designed really for chefs and also home cooks. And what I think is important about this interview, not just the knives, but the man and the story behind the man and the knives. Welcome to the show, Quentin. We're glad you're here. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So Quentin, making knives isn't exactly a common career choice. No, not at all. How did that come to be? Well, (laughs) it kind of started from me watching movies and Mm -hmm. like Star Wars, Conan. Look out! I'm an 80s baby. Mm -hmm. Like, so, um, uh, those movies like that, like, kind of piqued my interest. And Mm -hmm. I would take tubing off my swing set and I would take a cinder block and a hammer and I would hammer it flat. And I'm I'm running it. You would would take the (laughs) tubing off a swing set? Yeah. What did your mother and father think? Oh, they did not like that one bit. Well, wait, did you have siblings that were on the swing set while you yeah. were well, assembling it? Well, I have two older brothers and a younger brother. So mm-hmm. my older brother would fight with me and I would take my whatever I made then and like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. My younger brother is traumatized now, still. Wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> they learned not to mess with you, though. Exactly. Very auspicious beginnings, uh, Conan <laughs> and, and Star Wars. Yeah. And so where did it go from there, from sort of that childhood fantasy and all the way to 
making knives. Um, like while I was in school to be an, um, a mechanic, um, I worked in this mall, a local mall, and I was selling knives, pocket knives and cigars. It was called Outman Knife and Cigar. And this guy, this burly guy came in there one day like, hey, I make knives for a living. And my eyes just lit up. <laughs> I was like, oh, can you teach me? <laughs> That's when you know. Yes. Nice. So that was Jason Knight. Yes, it was Jason Knight. Yes. So he came in with his beard and everything, and he came in like, and Jason talks with his hand a lot, like how I do. So hey, <laughs> and he kind of took me on. I was maybe seventeen, eighteen, and wow. and I was his apprentice for maybe six years. And you were making, if I'm not mistaken, Jason makes hunting knives. Yes, like he make hunting knives, buoy, buoy knives, swords, and I was doing the same thing. I wanted to be just like him. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I had a dream. Uh, the Holy Ghost or God or uh, the Divine Spirit told me to make chef knives. And really, saying, yes. Wow. Well, can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah. Yes. So um, my whole dream after seeing Jason uh, have the freedom of being a knife maker and providing for his family, um, I was saying, wow, I want to do the same thing. And he kind of has his that outdoor tactical thing locked down in the Mm -hmm. area. So I was Mm -hmm. like, Lord, I'm praying. I said, Lord, I need you to make a way for me. I need you to do something for me. I need you to guide me and direct me on the things where I should, what I should do. And when I was getting up out of, out of my dream or waking up, mm-hmm. uh, a loud voice say, make chef knives. I'm saying, I had to tell you, I'm it. getting goosebumps. I'm wow. getting goosebumps <laughs> as you tell this story. I mean, talk about divine intervention, doing what you're meant to do. Mm-hmm. That's astounding. Yes. So, but still like, even though, even though I have, Someone, anybody can tell you where to go and how to go and, or what to do, but you still got to go down the road. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Um, so I had the direction. I had where I need to go. Now I need to know how to get there. So I made a long list of every top chef in Charleston. I mm-hmm. called every last one of them, and every last one of them turned me down. Like Really? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sean Brock, like sure. all these high-end chefs turned me down. But- if I were to call you and say, like, hey, would you buy some knives from me? You'd more likely say, no, get out of here. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I would think you're selling Ginsu knives yeah, or exactly. something. <laughs> so that didn't stop you. No, it didn't. So while I'm, I had maybe about 30 people on my list, and mm-hmm. I called this individual. His name is Craig Deal. And um, he was a chef at this uh, restaurant called Cypress. And that same uh, feeling or notion or the Holy Ghost leading me, um, he told me to call him back. And ask him, can you help me develop a knife? Mm. Like so, wow. so I called him back that same day. Um, mm-hmm. I say, I just called you, and I just talked to you, and I was wondering, can you help me develop a knife, um, or, or something that you would will want to use in your kitchen? He, he said, of course, come by today. So, wow, I went by there, and here's the funny part of that story too. Um, <laughs> I went by there, and the knives that I thought would be perfect for chefs, um, mm-hmm. all his sous chefs and line cooks that came around, oh, this is cool, this is cool. I'm thinking I'm going to leave here with maybe like $500 or something. Like <laughs> right. Somebody's right. going to buy something. And every last one of them put it down and walked away. And I, So I was kind of shot down. He was, 
and mm-hmm. Craig came to me and said, okay, these knives are cool, but I can't really use them because they're too heavy, they're too clunky, and they're like uh, a they're like a bush knife or a hunting knife because that's what I've been making. That's your of background, course. of course. Like So he would say, okay, I need you to make a chef knife, and I need you to make this thin, I need to make it this long. And so he would give me tidbits. And from him giving me them tidbits, I would go and make it with the advice he gave me, and I would bring it back. He loved it. He, he told friends, their friends told their friends. Somebody told Emerald Lagasse. And, wow. and that's it. Yeah, that, it, it, it. it just blew up. And how long have you been making culinary knives? Um, I've been making culinary knives for 10 years. I've been, mm-hmm. I've been making knives in general for 17 years. Okay. And over that time, what have you kind of learned in addition to what you learned that first afternoon? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, in terms of what chefs, chefs want, like, so yeah. what he told me um, after watching him work in his kitchen and, and countless others, um, I've been in, uh, in McCready's and a lot of the high-end chefs' uh, restaurants in Charleston. I was, mm-hmm. I was basically standing in the corner and I would watch the line cooks work or prep and I would see like, how they move or how they hold themselves. And from, from that, it was, I remember this very vividly. Um, one of my friends, um, his name is Bob Cook. And he was the sous chef for Craig. He was cutting up garlic. And he had this very narrow paring knife. And I was saying, why can't that knife be wider? And why can't it be a little longer? So I said, well, I'm going to make something for him. So, And I made something for him, and he loved it. And that's my paring knives now. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Beautiful. And I've seen the handles. I've seen you have this amazing video <laughs> on your on website. website. Yeah. yeah. Where you talk specifically about the ergonomic nature. Mm-hmm. Of the handles because that's often my complaint about a knife is you grab it and it'll do the job mm-hmm. but it just doesn't feel like it belongs in your hand. Correct, correct. It's um, I'm I'm all about comfort. Like the knife can look good and it does what you say it's going to do, but when you work with it, it's a chore. You're not happy with it. It's like okay, I'm going to cut something and that's it. But when it becomes an extension of yourself and you just like wow. I'm enjoying this and now you can sip wine and talk with your girlfriends or your homeboys mm-hmm. and you can just like and make them jealous because you got something cool. Well, I read somewhere that you said, and forgive me, I'm really messing this quote up, but you want your knife to work for you. You don't want to have to work for the knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so basically it's saying, I want you to use the knife instead of the knife using you. There you go. That's, That's it. it. That's it. And I thought it was great because you also talked about the knife being an extension of your hand, mm-hmm. which I thought was really a beautiful way of looking at what you do with a knife because a knife after a lot of cutting you can get really weary yes like so when i kind of explain that to somebody i would tell them okay let me explain what i mean if you take your finger and you point your finger out your finger doesn't feel heavy your finger doesn't feel like it's it's weird it's a part of you your knife needs to be the same way if you put your finger like on the dot like it's there it's very precise so your knife need to be able to do the same exact thing it needs to go right exactly where you put it Mm mm-hmm I love that. And I love that you studied the way chefs move in the kitchen. I mean, have you noticed how you navigate the kitchen and your own cutting board? Yes. Do you cook a lot? Yes. Like my my mom has all boys, so she says she's not going to be cooking all her life. So (laughs) (laughs) So So she taught you to cook? She taught all of us how to cook, actually. Uh, My younger brother is actually a professional chef. So translating knives from the home kitchen to the chef's kitchen, what is it that makes the perfect chef knife? Mm. So I suggest an eight-inch chef knife, and a lot of my knives 
the handle is almost shaped like a Coke bottle. So when you grab a hold mm-hmm. to it, the bulbiness fits in this part right here and where your mm-hmm. pinky and thumb is, it, it kind of caresses the knife. It fits just right. And right above the, where the blade is, there's a notch where your, if you know the pinch grip, your middle finger will mm-hmm. get in that groove. Mm-hmm. Every part of my knife has a place for your hand to go. And it just feels comfortable. Nice. You can choke the blade then yes. easily with no yes. problem. Good. Yeah, I do choke. I don't know why. I've always done that. I've always choked the blade. You know what that means when I choke the blade? Mm-hmm. Yeah, your finger's when, all the way up on it. Exactly. That's what that means when it's all the way up on the top. Didn't know David's if you knew usually got to be all up into everyone's business. I know. That's <laughs> so, so I'm always in everyone's business. And here I am mansplaining to Renee what a what a joke is. <laughs> yeah, that, that's great. Yeah, man, mansplaining on the podcast. So what kind of materials do you use for your handles? Because they're gorgeous. And there's a... Uh, an Instagram post here where you have three different pieces of wood, <laughs> gorgeous burled wood, a green, mm-hmm. and also this purpley blue, mm-hmm. and this crazy-ass zigzag design on the <laughs> knife, which I want to talk the about etching, in a minute. The engraving on the knives is exquisite. Yeah. Thank you. So let's talk about the, the handles first. What materials do you use for the handles? So I use countless um, um, uh, material, but I like to use uh, maple burl. Maple burl, mm-hmm. um, that's the knots and the figuring inside the wood. Mm-hmm. And I dye them different colors, like the purple that mm-hmm. you saw on that post. And there was one that's in the middle that was a green. And yeah. that, mm-hmm. that was from a curly maple where you see the waves in it. And mm-hmm. the brown one was uh, desert ironwood. And it's from Arizona. It's a very dense, strong wood. And out of those three, the purple is winning. So I'll be making the purple handle on that knife. That was what I voted for. I thought it'd be great. I thought it'd be wonderful. I'm from Arizona, so I'm partial to the ironwood. Yeah. (laughs) But they're each extraordinary. And talk to us about this crazy, (laughs) incredible zigzag design that you have. What is that? <laughs> uh, it's called, uh, well, it's, it's Damascus or mm-hmm. uh, pattern welded steel. What it is, is two different types of steel alternating mm-hmm. in layers. And once you forge weld it or putting in a forge and you're heating up to around 2300 degrees, and mm-hmm. either you're hitting it with a hammer or using a hydraulic press mm-hmm. that compress it down to make it a little bit more manageable. Um, mm-hmm. And we have different jigs that look like zigzags. So it kind of bites mm-hmm. into the metal. So that's where you're seeing okay. the zigzags in it. So okay. the one, how you would see it a little bit more, there's a core. So I will have alternating layers on the outside and a, a, a big solid piece in the middle and another alternating layers on the other side. So when I can press oh, it okay. and then so and you bite into it, and then that's how you see the, um, the zigzags in it. Uh, it's a lot of science <laughs> or, or ideas. All of your designs, though, I I mean, where do you get the ideas for these designs? I've seen these exquisite swirls. Mm -hmm. Mm. I've seen all kinds of patterns. And they just, you make it look easy. It looks like you just started, you know, sketching. Well, I could say I invented it myself. (laughs) (laughs) I really could. (laughs) (laughs) It just came to me. (laughs) Like, but no, um... It's, it's a process that you learn and uh, when you start learning how to make uh, Damascus. Um, mm-hmm. there is, like this, the patterns that I use is very simple. So uh, even my knives, it's a, it's a very simple design, but it's effective, mm-hmm. if, if, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. I don't want to put too much embellishments on it because it takes away from um, what a knife is 
really used for because I can make I can make a knife that's very elaborate. I can put ivory on it, um, mammoth ivory. Let me clarify, and I could put all kind of stuff to make it very fancy. Sure, then someone really wouldn't want to use the knife. They just want to hang it up and put it on the wall, and I'm fine with that too. But my knives are made to be used. Right. I have to admit, I was kind of thinking that as I looked at your knives, I was trying to select one, and I'm like, I don't know if I can actually use it. I think I'm just going to hang it up. Oh, I can't wait to get mine and use it. I'm going to order one right after this. Well, I am ready for you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. So, all, but all of these are handcrafted. Yes. And where do you make your knives? Um, so actually, it's right on the other side of this wall. Um, um, but really, in your house? Well, this is my office, actually. So oh, okay. I have a, a thousand square foot shop right next to my office, and this mm-hmm. is a about four hundred square feet uh, office. And um, my house is a little further up, so my wife told me I couldn't bring any more knives in the house. So. <laughs> And she doesn't want to hear you clanging and banging yes, through the walls. Exactly. Right? So she said, you need to go outside. So, <laughs> <laughs> How many people do you have working with you? I have currently three people working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really amazing to say, wow, three people working right? for me. Congratulations. Right. Thank you. <laughs> From an idea and a dream to mm-hmm. having a staff. Exactly. Well, Congratulations. That's so much more satisfying to your soul. Mm-hmm. It is. I've worked jobs where I really wasn't happy and I had to work because I had to work. I'm married and have two children and Mm -hmm. working those jobs, I wasn't really satisfied or uh, feel accomplished in anything. So when God told me to make chef knives and my wife telling me, I remember this day vividly. Um, I I got fired from my job. Um, Mm -hmm. I was working a little dead end job, probably making $200 a week. And... We just had uh, our second child, my daughter, and mm-hmm. the the daycare was two hundred forty dollars, and I barely made that. Wow! And so I'm wow. And my wife, I just laid my head on her on her lap and I said, "Babe, as a man, I feel so helpless right now because mm-hmm. I don't know what can I do because I'm not I'm not used to being in this position." She told me, "Follow your dreams, and God will make a way." And here I am. Beautiful. Wow. That is incredible. I love that she supports you. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Really very touching. Yeah. It's, and the, the whole idea of that is I want to build something for my family or build something for my children. That's something that they can carry on. They don't have to be the grunt that I am. I always tell them, let daddy be the grunt. I want you to be the CEO. Mm. Like so, I want you to use your brains. Let's see. What's wonderful is that the knives are far more than just knives. Now mm-hmm. they're they're tools for chefs. They're tools to make people's lives easier. But there's something that has worked for you to transform your life, transform your family, and transform the future of your children. And that's ex- that's extraordinary. And Thank I am you. so incredibly moved to hear that. And I'm. Wow. Honored to be able to have you on the show to tell your story, oh, which is you. far more than knives. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's way so more. It's way more than knives. Um, actually, and from day one, that uh, when when I said I had three employees, though, from day one, I wanted to hire people from my community and kind of mm-hmm. breathe life back into the American dream. So, um, the American dream has so many. Uh, it means different things for different people. 
but but for, sure. but for me is to be able to provide for my family, provide a great life for my children, and something where my children can look back and say, "I'm that was my dad." Mm. That's wonderful. That is truly wonderful. I just I want to get back to one question that our our <laughs> readers and our users. Um, so I'm getting so fl- so so verklempt. Um, <laughs> I want to get back to a question about knives from mm-hmm. our listeners and our readers is many of them don't know how to sharpen their own knives mm-hmm. and me included. <laughs> Do you think it's best to get one of those sharpeners at home or to have them professionally sharpened? Um, if you're getting knives from a lot of those uh, bigger stores, of course, mm-hmm. use what you can to get it sharp. But if you're spending the money to get something custom or um, – produced by a, a knife maker, either send it back to the knife maker or give it to someone that you're comfortable allowing them to sharpen the knife. So when I buy my knife from you, I would ship it back to you to get it sharpened. Yes, you can. I tell people, even when I do like festivals, uh, this is not the end of, of the relationship. This is not the end of the mm-hmm. transaction. You can always be rotating back because eventually within a year or so, you're going to want your knife sharpened or you want kind of get the, the knife back as luster the way mm-hmm. when you first bought it. So you can't take that to just anybody to do. Excellent. Well, Quentin, thank you so much for coming on the show and opening our minds and our hearts to your product and also your story. Thank you for bringing some beauty. In addition to all the beauty that David mentioned earlier, it's just a reminder, right, mm-hmm. that, that every day there can be art, yeah. there can be beauty, yeah, exactly. creativity. Like you have to look beyond what your eyes see. And uh, this is a ministry for me. It is. Well, thank you. Thank you. You can find Quinton and his gorgeous knives at MiddletonMadeKnives.com where you can purchase them, and I really hope that you will, as well as on Instagram at MiddletonMadeKnives. Hey, it's a chop, a chop, a choppity chop. Well, Renee, you know it's that time, the end of the show. Can you please tell us what is on the specials board? I can. Well, it's midsummer, so of course we have peaches. Peaches. Right? Peaches every which way, including mm-hmm. a peach burrata and basil salad. Yay! Which is so easy to come together. It's basically cutting board cuisine, mm. right? There's no stovetop involved. Mm-hmm. So exquisite, so rich. We also, speaking of rich, have chorizo breakfast tacos. <laughs> right? Forget breakfast burritos today, right? We're going tacos. Mm-hmm. And so they call for eggs, sunny side up, not scrambled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that rich, flavorful, slightly spicy chorizo, so satisfying. You're going to want these any time of day. I may want to use Portuguese chorizo in place of chorizo, but... You can do that, just don't tell me. I won't tell the Spaniards either. (laughs) We also tell you how to make the perfect French fries, right? A lot of people promise you this. Mm -hmm. We deliver. Double fry? Absolutely. Lower temperature, higher temperature. You got it. That's the way to go. Skin on the ends if you want. Mm-hmm. Okay, we also take peaches in a different direction. We've got grilled pork skewers. Oh. With peaches. Lovely. Pork, nice combo. peaches. Perfect. And then we wrap it up with an apricot galette, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're scared of making pies. Galette is like a cheater's pie where you only have to deal with one crust and you don't have to worry about transferring it into the pie dish. You don't have to worry about yeah. crimping the edges or fluting them, or crisscrossing the lattice top. You just kind of plop the filling in the middle and you roll the dough up and over the sides. That's it. The uglier it is, the prettier it is, really. Rustic is, I believe, the term we use. Oh, that's what we're calling it these days? Rustic. We're calling it rustic, Uh, yeah. 
This podcast is produced by Overt Studios, and our producer is the razor-sharp-witted Adam Claremont. You can reach Adam and Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. Remember to subscribe to Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear and want to support us, leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Ciao. Ciao. Renee, do you have a favorite? That's, that's an outtake, Adam. So you can use that. <laughs> All right. You got to save them. No, I don't have one of those, David. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have one of those. Okay. Try it again.